Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Sandy Brock, who is my neighbor to the east. Sandy and her family live in Ontario, Canada, where they own and operate Shepherd Creek Farms. Sandy tells us all about their grain farming operation and how on earth she got into the sheep business. But before we get to today's episode, let's go over the review of the week. The review of the week comes from Tess Acre Ducks on Apple Podcasts, and it is titled, My New Favorite Podcast. I have absolutely loved every episode. So many of them have resonated with me so much. They make me feel right at home, like listening to a friend, smiling and laughing and agreeing the whole time. Well, thank you so much, Tess, for your awesome review over on iTunes. And if you too have been enjoying the Rural Woman podcast, I would encourage you to hop on over wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and review so others can also enjoy the show. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our newest patron over on Patreon, Molly Kay from the great state of Texas. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. And if you too have been enjoying the show and would like to support us, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about becoming a patron through Patreon. And without further ado, let's get to Sandy's episode. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to actually be talking to you. I've been following you along on (laughs) Instagram for a little bit now, learning more about you. And I actually found you through our friend Meredith. So Uh (laughs) we do a lot of that back and forth. (laughs) She's just a sweetheart. I kind of wish I had her accent, but People are going to like our accent as well, because apparently we have an accent to them. So apparently so. I get told that a lot. Yes. (laughs) So, Sandy, for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Sure. Well, my name is Sandy Brock. I am, I guess, a woman who farms here along with my husband. We own and operate an 1800 acre grain farm. That's kind of the, that's always been the main business here on the home farm. We're third generation here. And then in 2012, we diversified and got into the sheep business. So that's kind of what I've been heading up, I guess. That's been my own little journey. And Mark helps me, of course, when I need it. And I help him in the grain operation when he needs it. And then all big decisions kind of get blended between the two of us. Just like a perfect team. You two are. <laughs> well, perfect's a loaded word for sure. <laughs> we have moments either on either spectrum of perfect, that's for sure. <laughs> so Sandy, when and where did you get started in agriculture? Okay, well, I grew up on a dairy farm. I feel like I have like a cookie cutter childhood, typical farm kid. I grew up in the 80s, so it wasn't a glowing time in agriculture. It definitely was tight for mom and dad. Looking back now, I mean, they did a pretty good job hiding what was really happening. But now as an adult and running our own farm, I give them so much credit for what they actually had to endure in the 80s. So yeah, we worked alongside my dad. Uh, Mom worked off the farm and in the house, and I didn't give her near enough credit as well. A little side side note now that I 
have to be a mom and a wife in the house. It's, I feel bad for, <laughs> for wanting her to do my chores sometimes because I'd rather do chores than do housework now that I see what she had to do. So growing up, we helped dad. We were his hired help because we just basically couldn't afford it until my sister went off to, or my sister got married and moved away. That's kind of when we started having some pretty good help on the farm. And then I went to university and studied agriculture in hopes of being in the industry somehow. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I think deep down, I figured the only thing that would keep me interested would be actually doing the work of farming. I did take a four-year degree in agriculture business to have that paper to give me the freedom to do what, you know, what I want to do in the industry. And then I met my husband at school, ended up getting married right after I graduated. And then I actually moved to his home farm and helped his father-in-law and brother-in-law run a pretty large broiler breeder operation for about the next 13 years. So that's kind of my journey. And then we started sheep farming. So always kind of had a foot in the barn. Right. And how on earth did you get involved in sheep farming? Yeah, I get asked. I get asked that a lot. Um, Well, why sheep? Why sheep? That's a good question. I asked that. I asked that when on my bad days. However, I honestly, when we kind of did some succession work and Mark and I were finally kind of standing on our own after about a year of just kind of focusing on the grain operation. It's been such an identity for me and being around livestock. So I really, really missed that part of my life. So Mark and I sat down at the kitchen table and he said, okay, what is on the list of livestock that is a potential for us and for you doing it by yourself? Because we have, it's a big operation here, even just for the two of us, let alone me doing another gig. So we researched what would make the most sense in Ontario. And for a non-managed industry, I wasn't really keen on beef cattle. They're a little bit big for me doing by myself. So yeah, he said, what about sheep? And I'm like, well, let's look into it. And for, we're really close to Toronto and it's such a growing market there. And we have auction houses, auction barns around us. So really good markets. So it just made the most sense to go into the sheep. Sheep or goats really would have been kind of the two to choose from as much as I love looking at goats. I don't think, I think me and goats are too much alike and we would have fought each other. So we chose sheep and have really never looked back. That's awesome. And see, I went the other route and I chose goats. So (laughs) I just know like when two like-minded individuals try to work together, it doesn't work. So I figure me and goats are probably pretty similar (laughs) and we would butt heads. That's too funny. Too funny. (laughs) So what does a typical day look like for you on the farm then when you're doing the sheep stuff and then you're helping Mark with the grain stuff as well? What does it look like for you? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, the summer, I get pretty discouraged in the summer because you make kind of plans all winter. You're looking forward to the summer. And honestly, it's just, it becomes a real big overlap of really organizing our time. So my days kind of always look different depending on where I'm in, in my life cycle of the sheep. So if I'm lambing, then the day starts, no matter when, what time of year it is, the day starts out really early to get on top of lambing. So when lambing happens, I try not to book myself anywhere else, whether that's industry involvement, whether that's seeing my friends or my family or even helping Mark in the fields. I like to keep, I do like to schedule the lambing when I potentially should not be in the fields. And this year that all got thrown into the wind because it's been such a terrible spring. So everything just got compressed. It's been a real compressed growing season. It just makes it challenging 
trying to get my jobs in the barn done. So a typical day, I would say, you know, I feed the ewes in the morning and there's observations. And then any management work that needs done with those sheep, I have the flock is divided into three groups. So they're either lambing, they're either getting bred or being planned to be bred. So there's kind of always three life cycles. And with those life cycles, there's uh, management that goes into what stage of life they're in. And those jobs I typically plan for the afternoon. So the morning is always feeding and just that daily repetitive work that needs to be done every day, that production work. And then the afternoon is when I book any management jobs on top of that. In the summer, then of course, that just has to get booked in certain days. And then I can allow myself to be freed up to help Mark in the fields. And for me, I don't know a whole lot about sheep. Obviously, I said I went the goat route. But uh, what is the typical life cycle of your sheep? So I guess I'll just start with when a ewe is pregnant. So when she's pregnant, she's pregnant for five months. And then I land them here on the farm. I run, I've said this already, I think I run my, there's my flock is 450 ewes and I run them in three groups. So then I'm not lambing all of them at the same time because it's just a lot of work. And I like to spread that out through the year. And I also like to spread out for cash flow. So that you will lamb in five months. The lambs stay on their mum for two months. So there's a lactating group that's there for about two months. And then the babies get weaned. And then I have a facility across the road, actually where I started the sheep before expanding and building a new barn. So the lambs go over there and they actually go on a finishing ration because the lambs are for meat production. That's kind of what I raised them for. But the females, I will sort at 12 weeks and 16 weeks of age. And I will select based on what I'm kind of looking for to actually replace my ewe flock. So I've always got some replacement ewes happening. And then uh, most of the ram lambs and any females that don't meet the criteria, they would then be destined for market. And then I raise them for basically a maximum of about five months and or 105 to 110 pounds is kind of the goal. So so they are big. I think a big misconception for lamb. I actually don't even like that we call our meat lamb because people just they attribute that to a cute little lamb. And they're far from it. When they go, they're they're a large animal. They're almost they're three quarters full size of what their mums are by the time they go. So yeah, so that's kind of the the life cycle of that. If a replacement ewe comes back into the flock, then she's treated as a ewe then. And then she will be the next stage is like a dry off period. You're flush. I will flush them, get ready to breed them. And then they're bred and then they're pregnant for five months and it all starts all over again. So it's kind of, it's a very unique system and it's an organized system in the barn. And the layout of the barn is dependent on where they are in their life cycle. Very cool. It sounds like yeah. a very interesting <laughs> operation. And I like how you have them separated into yes section of their life. Very cool. And yeah. I also like what you said about the misconception of lamb and yeah. thinking that they're just these little cute bouncy things. Yes. That's what's yes. Dinner plate, but yeah. It's the same thing for goat. When I tell people like people eat goat, they think of the cute videos of them in their pajamas mm -hmm. bouncing around. It's mm -hmm. like, no, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> no, no, completely no. different. So yeah, that's right. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. 
KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. So you do all of this farming, and then on top of it, Sandy, <laughs> you record it and put it on YouTube. Tell us yes. how you started sharing your story online. Well, I kind of fell into it a little bit. I YouTube was very, very strange to me. I wasn't really on it. I liked Snapchat when it first was, well, not when it was first out. It was, I came in as a late bloomer, even on Snapchat. But I loved the feeling of how every day was different and I could just record it as I went. So it wasn't a lot of work because I just carried my phone anyway. And the stuff you see in the moment, it just, it's so funny. And people were really resonating with that. The fact that I just took people through the whole day and what I, and literally they just saw what I saw and it really developed some connections. And to the fact that the conversations it was starting, I'm like, people want to know more. And I just, I don't have this much time to answer every person or go into depth on a platform like Insta stories or Snapchat of the detail behind it. And I'm like the kids, my kids have always like, they've been raised on YouTube. They, because I'm that kind of mom. And so I was like, if our kids are on it, like they're pretty normal kids. It's probably means that's kind of the next, it is the thing that, probably a lot of people are on and I just haven't given it enough thought. So I just kind of started recording beyond Snapchat. I started just using my phone and started recording a whole day's worth of stuff and then, and then learned how to edit on iMovie and finally got the nerve to upload my first few videos. And uh, it's been a it feels like it's been a really slow moving thing, but the last few months it's really picked up and it's becoming, it's kind of blown up for me anyway. It feels like that. And yeah, so that's kind of the journey of it. I mean, I, the first blog style thing that I just totally fell in love with was uh, Cody Creelman from Alberta. And the fact that he, I loved the fact that he was so transparent. And with his work and his job and that how it's not all, you know, it's not all sunshine, rainbows, lollipops. It was like, this is what it is. This is what happens. But this is why. And then he added the human element of his family. And to me, I'm like, oh, this is gold. Like, this is gold. And he's funny. And I'm like, that's exactly if I was to ever share a message, that's what I would want to do because I would want to develop a relationship and a community and empathy at the end of the day. I want them to see that I can be funny or I can make fun of myself. I can make fun of sheep. And then in the next breath I can cry because I lost that sheep. So 
it's just bringing that human element to what we do because I think people just see us as just, I don't, I don't even know. I feel like sometimes they forget we're people and I want to bring that aspect back to, and that we're just like them. Like I just, I want to develop that connection in that community. So that's why I'm doing it. Well, and I think developing that connection outside of agriculture is important Mm -hmm. because like what you said, people outside of agriculture look at farmers and I almost think they look at us like robots because it's like we raise these animals and we send them to their no good, very bad day. And Mm -hmm. this is what we do. But there's emotion behind it, right? Like you said, you can be making fun of sheep and saying how terrible they are. And then the next day <laughs> you lose one and it's really hard and heartbreaking. So oh, for it, sure, it is the ebbs and flows and showing people outside of agriculture where their food comes from and how it's raised and how much love and passion is put into yep. the animal agriculture as well as the soil and the land. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think what you are doing is awesome. And I've seen Cody's videos before too, and he is very funny. So you are in good company on YouTube up here. in Canada, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think, I think even just to go on further onto that, you know, the way I do it is uh, like, I'm not trying to teach people. And I think, I think we have to be very careful that we think everything that we do is right and without fault. And we get very defensive and I'm trying to come at it, especially now that I'm doing it, because I always have to put into context, if this is someone's very first video, are they going to get a complete story? Right. And I've learned that as I went, and it's some very hard lessons that I've had to learn is that every video could be someone's very first one. So you got to put a lot of context in every single video. And if you come across as just like, I'm an expert, I do everything right, blah, 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 you lose that connection, right? I mean, I do. I don't watch people that do that because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you're perfect and nothing ever goes wrong. And now I don't believe you (laughs) because that doesn't happen. So that's why I try to, in every video, show that it's a struggle. And if we succeed at the end of the video, people are like, oh, good for you. You actually, you got through it. Other people are like, you're obnoxious, like fix your stuff. Uh, So it's a different, but it it is real. That is real in our life. We can be prepared all we want, but stuff still breaks when you go to use it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think have been some of your biggest challenges that you've experienced since starting to share your story, whether it was on Snapchat or Instagram and now on YouTube? So I would say Snapchat and Instagram, because it's so, I find those communities very supportive. Like you really don't get the haters on that one because it takes a bit to just follow someone because you can get sick of them pretty quick and just not follow them. But the ones that want that come in and tune in every single day, they like you for whatever, or they're, you know what I mean? Or they just can't stop themselves (laughs) from watching for whatever reason, right? To either see we do wrong or or they want to laugh or whatever whatever the reason it's a different form because it's every day it's kind of everyday content youtube is a completely different beast and if a video does go somewhat viral then it gets put in front of people that aren't necessarily your people and it's i love the fact that it does that because for every hater you bring in you also bring in probably a hundred beautiful souls that are like, oh my God, I would give anything to have this life. But there have been 
YouTube, like the more people that follow you, it can be very discouraging. Like I read every comment and I try to reply to every comment. And that is probably going to be the death of me because some comments can be actually are the easier to digest because they, they seem so like ridiculous. The ones that really hurt me are from other farmers. So that hurts. Like when I'm trying to share my truth of that every day is not easy and they basically say you're incompetent. I think that's really unfair. And I would never, like, no matter what I think, I would never say it publicly. And I think people can be just really mean. So YouTube show, it can bring out the nasty in people because they can hide behind a keyboard. Absolutely. Yeah. And like Mm -hmm. you said about the farmer against farmer thing, I think that's been pretty prevalent all throughout this year anyways that I've noticed. And it brings out some bad things. And I think each and every farmer should do a better job of just, you know, sometimes keeping their mouth shut if you don't agree with what somebody's doing. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. And you know what? We don't have to agree. We don't have, we don't ever have to agree, but it also means you can be respectful and not have to say like, or you can just, or even if you don't agree or you think there's a better way, there's so many nice ways to say it. Right. Right. And without being that, being condescending and because it takes me a long time to put this stuff together. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself and your face every week on a platform that anyone in the world can watch. Like I have to dig deep every single time I press that record button. And I think people think it's easy and that it's attention seeking and it's so not. Right. <laughs> so I wish people knew that kind of a little bit when people do go out of their way to create content. It's a labor of love. It really is. Yes. You're preaching to the choir over here, yeah. Sandy. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. Yes. Yeah. Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra-hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman podcast merchandise, shout-outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So what do you think has been the biggest reward for you sharing your story and putting your story out there? Oh, it's the comments. It's the, uh, it's, the moms that message me and say, you know what, I love the fact I can put my six month old in front of the TV and know that they're entertained for hours. Well, number one, because I'm like, good for you, girl. Because <laughs> it's like putting the six month in front of the TV, that's kind of, that's amazing. But the fact that I'm creating content that a six month old can watch and not have any idea what I'm saying, but it doesn't matter. They're watching animals from that young of an age, which is just beautiful to a husband that has been nursing his wife that had a stroke and they're in the hospital. And during my daily vlogs that I was doing when I was lambing, it was the one thing that was keeping his wife like excited for the next day. So stories like that is like, 
oh my God, like you have no idea who you are affecting or in, I hate to say inspiring because I don't really give myself that much credit, but in affecting, like you're resonating with, I guess is, is the biggest thing. I had no idea. And how many people love sheep? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, they're just not like a common animal that you always think of <laughs> sheep farming, right? So, and those yeah. lambs are so cute. <laughs> they are. They are. So it's it's not hard to videotape lambing, right? And that is what brings in a lot of new audience is when you're lambing and like especially young people, they just young kids love lambs and sheep. So it's been great. The connection's been amazing. That's so awesome. And speaking of kids, you wrote a children's book. Tell us yeah. more about that too. Well, I wrote it a long time ago. I have to throw that out there. So my kids were babies and now I have a kid going into second year college and another one rounding out her last year of high school. So when I read it, it makes me sad because I'm like, oh my God, where did that time go? But it was when I was working in the chicken barns and trying to balance being a mom and working and not feeling very good at either, to be perfectly honest. So it was a book kind of written as maybe as a creative outlet for me I've always loved to write and my mom had always pushed me she's like you should write a book I think she means a real book but I don't have that in me (laughs) and I'm like okay I'll write a book and I wrote a children's book so it's a very light-hearted more I think the moms will get more out of it maybe than the kids because it's more like just how I thought my kids looked at me when they were at that age and it's kind of them looking at at me through in through their eyes kind of thing and yeah so that's so that is the book it's called my mummy is a farmer very cute and where can people find your book well there is some links on my instagram bio it is up there but we are working on i guess some of the links they're saying the book is sold out which is beautiful it's not they're just having some printing issues so definitely when more information comes on that it will be up and I mean the link is always there it'll just say it's sold out and then when it's working again it will not say sold out so just bear with me on that little thing and I'm getting a few just sent to me so I can just start mailing some out to people that are desperate (laughs) that's great and I will put those links in my show notes as well so the listeners can go and find them and check back and sure in much anticipation wait for the book to be ready to be sent to them (laughs) I need to make a new one about sheep. (laughs) Yes, very true. (laughs) So Sandy, the final question that I have for you is what is the most rewarding part for you of being a farmer? Uh, I get asked this all the time and it always depends on the day, right? There's definitely more rewarding days than others. I think at the end of the day, we are so blessed to get to live where we live and get to do what we do. And And honestly, maybe doing this outreach with YouTube stuff has really brought that to light in my eyes. I have perfect strangers, you know, messaging me from India or Pakistan or around the world, anywhere around the world, just begging me to take them to work for me. Just saying, you know, I would give anything to have your life. And, you know, we literally drag our feet sometimes, some days here on the farms. And it doesn't matter what farm it is anywhere in North America or around the world, but there are some really bad days, but our worst days are still someone's dream good day. And I don't think enough of us realize that because we get stuck, we get caught in our own head and our own gloom and our own, you know, issues that we deal with every single day. But 
man, people would give anything to trade their lives with us. So I think that's been a big eye opener for me. And, and that's the best thing about what we do is we don't have a very long commute. I can literally roll out of my bed and throw on some coveralls and, and get to work. I don't have to spend hours getting ready. And there's a lot of good mixed in with the challenges for sure. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for taking the time to chat with me today. I know it's busy summertime. We're getting into harvest and you guys just finished haying. So it's been so great chatting with you. So for the listeners who would like to stay in contact with you after the episode, where can they find you on the internet? Well, for sure, like on my YouTube channel, if you'd like to pop up, if you are a YouTube user, you can see me over there at Sandy Brock or Sheepishly Me, both will probably take you there and you can subscribe and then you won't miss any. I try to get something up there every week. I still have to finish mine for this week. But if you want to see me every day, then Instagram is kind of where I live right now. And that's kind of that's if you want the behind the scenes, if the in-between, if you don't want to wait for the YouTube video, that's where you'll see me every day. So I love connecting with people there. I try to answer everybody's comments and questions, especially in the DMs. So feel free to see me over there. And then I'm on Twitter, not crazy active on Twitter, but I am over there and I always uh, will reply to your DMs. So that's where you can find me. That's great. I'll put all of those in the show notes too, so they can find you with no problem. So thank you again so much for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. Hey, have you been over to shop Wild Rose Farmer lately? There are so many new great t-shirts, tank tops, stickers, and more. There's even official Rural Woman podcast gear now, including great t-shirts and hats. Feel good knowing when you're shopping on Shop Wild Rose Farmer, you directly support the Rural Woman podcast. And don't forget, members of the Wild Rose Farmer community save 20% off their first purchase. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for all of the details. And happy shopping, y'all! Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Wild Rose Farmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.